Welcome back to Dice and Salt. I'm Lord Richter. And I'm Lady Toast. And we're here talking about episode 95, The Armory of Adorak. Yep. Which is the ancient town, I guess, surrounding Gallowspire. They dropped some hints in the episode about it that has now been jungle-fied. Oh, God, what did he say? Um, Patent pending. Patent pending. But that's not right. That's not what it should be. Trademarked. It should be trademarked. Copyright, maybe? Uh, Trademark, copyright. I think they're diff- trademark they're is different an image. things. Copyright is a, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're different things. And that's why you listen to Dice and Salt, folks, because we talk about anything but the episode. Yeah. We're here for your copyright legal <laughs> legal advice. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> don't don't listen to me for advice. I'm have terrible advice. Yes, please do not take my uh, my stuff as legal advice you should act on without running it through a uh, attorney, a credible attorney. <laughs> Yes, please, please make sure an it's a credible one, but at least a credible one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. And so we're picking up where we left off. The party is looking for Nessie's townhouse. Yep. That's, that's the, right. That's the whole point of the episode. The whole point of the episode. We're going after that townhouse. I mean, she's got to have you know the Nessie dirt, was right? Here. That, that's right. That's right. She's got Tarbethon's porn stash in, in her place somewhere. I can't. And you get I that. Can't, and you've got some real dirt on him. I can't even imagine what that would be, and I, I don't want to. That <laughs> that sounds awful. That sounds genuinely awful. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I Saying anything more than it's, you know, just his porn stash, just is, to me is, I don't know. No, I, I get it. A Rubicon I dare not cross. <laughs> please. Please stay on the other side. <laughs> and if you don't, I'll make it. I'll, I'll edit it so it sounds like you did. <laughs> no, Lord Richter, don't say that. Stop it. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Lord Richter, no. God, why would you say such things? <laughs> so there I was. Nope, nope. <laughs> Jumper cables, mead, and a little bit of motor oil. <laughs> what is this, Archer? <laughs> Uh, mostly I'm channeling Jeff Foxworthy. I mean, that's that's where that one that comes from for me. Okay. He had a skit in it, and he goes, yeah, single guys have the best stories. And then he you know, pretends to be the single guy with the story. So there I was, covered <laughs> in motor oil, a pair of jumper cables. <laughs> and we, you know, and then, you know, you, of course, are sucked in, and your imagination is sort of filling in the spots for what's about to happen. And then he just goes on with how their single guys have the best stories. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, so uh, last episode, our genus had a vision. A fit. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be a flashback, but it was not. It was a. Uh, it's like an it actual was a vision. Vision. Like I think yep. he ends up As saying he, he's like rolling around on the ground, just like having yep, a fit. This episode, he's he's rolling on the ground. Uh, I believe Tom said our genus is on the ground writhing. Yeah, that's what it was, writhing. And Tom did an outstanding job with the uh, laughter and the God. the horror of, you know, the... It's 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 bad. Like, Deb-style pet care. Yeah, he's very good at that voice, and it's horrifying at 1.5 speed. Because <laughs> the laugh is just so quick. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds bad. It's pretty funny, uh, though. I do, I do enjoy it. I do like how he's basically like... Um, saying oh god oh god it's horrible it's it's horrible it's gab and deal with this like and then laughs and yeah laughs and, yeah and then laughs and goes she had to kill her trusted companion over and over <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> the oh. first thing table does is i have my notebook tell me everything don't, yeah. don't start talking yeah 
Just start talking. No, no, no thoughts for how our genus might be feeling or anything like that. It's like, no, no, no. You need to tell me exactly what you saw. Well, even when it comes up, Tia Bliss' response, I don't know if someone actually, I, I forget if someone mentioned, hey, you know, give him a second. He's experiencing something horrible. But he was like, yeah, yeah, but we got to get it now while it's fresh in his mind. Give me the details. <laughs> yeah, except. You know? So Tia Bliss doesn't care. He's, you know, focused on getting those details. Diablos is an occultist. He has access to, like, share memory. He could literally just ask Arginus for the memory and get it himself. He could he could literally get a first-hand account of it, <laughs> of what was seen. <laughs> well, maybe you should, uh, you know, remind Matt of that. That's what I'm doing right now. Matt, let me make sure that's... Pay attention. Let me sh- make sure I'm right on that. <laughs> learn, learn your damn class. <laughs> no, he, I think he knows his class pretty Man, well. Man, it just... Whew. Toast is on a is on a rampage today, folks. Brace yourselves. There might be a little burnt toast at the end of this one. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's a it's a level two spell for the occultist. You momentarily link your mind with the target and share a single memory of no longer than a minute. You can show the target one of your memories, show the target one of its own memories, or view one of the target's memories. So yeah, Tiablith can have a first hand account of anything in that in that vision. Well, somebody better use that then. <laughs> yep. Better get on it. I mean, they are they are trying to uh, you know sh- uh, you know shack up for the night yeah. uh, at the end of the episode. So maybe we'll see some of that now. Yeah, it also might be one of those one of those things where he built the occultist at like twelfth level or eleventh level or whatever, and because this is such a lower level spell, it's like mm. it kind of gets glossed over in favor of the higher level stuff. Yeah, I could see that, and I think this is his first occultist too. So yeah, I mean, you know, all all the new you miss some of the yeah uh, you can miss some of the low end cool stuff. Yeah, because it's I not. I can see that. I mean, it's it's on the you know sorcerer wizard list, but there's not a whole lot of of classes that get it. It's just bard, medium, mesmerist, occultist, psychic, wizard, sorcerers, and witch. So it's not oh, like the psychic gets it. Yeah, so it's not like a huge list, but it's not you know the big one. Sorcerer wizard is on there too. So, but I think it's probably one of those that kind of gets overlooked because it's not like a combat spell. It doesn't do damage, and it's not gonna. You yeah, know, it, it's more of a role play thing. But it's it's yeah. definitely a good spell. I I can I can see that. There's even in even when you're trying to uh, you know there's just there's some spells you need some types of spells you need to be functional as right. a as a supporting caster. Yeah. Um, cause that's what you're doing. I mean, casters are a support role, right? But yeah, I, and I can see how something like that could get missed. Cause how many times am I going to need a memory from somebody? I mean, unless you're in a campaign that's maybe where that is something you figure would be important because, uh, maybe you got to interrogate people or, right. you know, something like that. There's, there, there's a need for that sort of thing. So fine. I'll just check this memory. Oh, got it. Yep. So if he wants it, he can, and, you know, our genus is willing because it has a will save. He, he can just get the memory straight from his mind. Awesome. Yeah. So no so need hopefully to. hopefully we'll see that. Yeah. Hopefully be, we'll see. It'd be kind of neat. See that. Uh, um, I guess. There was, uh, there was some commentary too about the, is the whispering tyrant working with Geb? Right. And, and I think uh, he, <laughs> you had joked about that a couple episodes ago. Yeah. I, well, you know, you, you have an agent of Geb operating freely in Verilich and right at, you know, Adarak and the Gallowspire. It seems like you're not doing that without the consent of the whispering tyrant somehow. But yeah, interestingly enough, I guess my, my, response to that would be he's probably not even here like i could see that so if he's gone nobody's gonna complain unless he has like traps which i mean he probably has plenty of traps but i I don't mean he could be afoot somewhere that could be it he could have he could have said i'm getting the hell out of here i've been trapped here for a while so i'm 
I'm gone. It's vacation time for me. I don't know. Right. Because, I mean, you got to figure if someone figures out that he's the one behind the explosions, they're going to come check. And, you know, if they bring enough people, it's going to be a fight. And why why subject yourself to that when you can just leave? Well, other than he's undead and he's got an undead army and it's his turf where he doesn't care. I mean, you know, your your army coming in, the more of you I kill is more troops I've just recruited. So (laughs) this is true. there's, There's really no downside to him not facing this. It, right. You know, if that's what he thinks is coming. Well, he, sh- he but, should take uh, Arginus's advice and dig a hole. I mean, eventually, yeah, that's right. random that's random right. parties will find their way in. Yeah, that's right. You can just, you know, <laughs> kill him and raise him. And, you know, eventually he'll have all the living people in the hole. Yeah. Or formerly living people. Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, what I thought was a nice tie-in, what I thought was clever, was the Uhtred calling back to the scrying effect that they had witnessed in their uh, camp the one night. Right. And then the fact, and, and Teoblith even comments on this, oh man, they're scrying on Arasni's lungs. You know, <laughs> yeah. which I was like, ah, there we go. Yeah. I bet you, you know, now you know it's, you know, Arasni's stuff because they're scrying on it. <laughs> and somebody showed up and said, we know you've been near Arasni. So. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. All, uh, yeah, no. It's got to be the lungs. Totally the lungs. <laughs> Yeah, I just <laughs> well, yeah. Elksy was trying to be sly. Yeah, I love it. I just I love the thought of this this deer just kind of like trying trying try- to be sneaky, yeah. and, and talking code. And Utrid's <laughs> like, "What what are you doing? Chill out." <laughs> My and, and of course, then I'm like, "Wow, I wonder if hiding things from Tiablith is going to be a thing now." You know, because that's what we're doing again is we're hiding information from Tiablith mm-hmm. and uh you know they, they didn't make a big deal out of it this time didn't get a sen- I guess he did he roll a sense motive against Elksy I don't think he did no no he didn't he didn't he, but it was to me it was extra funny because it you know Elksy's doing this and you know like well and it's acting all sly and I'm like yeah because the jungle fi- jungle-fied city could be listening right there could be enemies everywhere or Tiablith yeah <laughs> and you know and, I, and I'm just oh man and then they hear something. That's what I, they, you know, they're, they're moving around and, and, uh, Tiablis is like, hey, I'm going to gather some wood from this, this crazy overgrowth so that mm-hmm. I can make arrows with it. Not that I think I could make any special arrows with it, but I'm going to do it, rather it just because I think they'll be neat. And, uh, you know, whoa, we got some kind of loud grating sound, large, clumsy, metallic. And it turns out to be a, a serpent of arms and armor. Yeah. A thing called an abandoned armory i gotta find a picture of this thing because i cannot picture it in my brain <laughs> i just think of it like uh you know saying it's like a serpent but maybe you know to me it's like a worm or something but it's it probably moves like water but instead of water as its composition it's this armor these these weapons these you know helmets whatever the various pieces are that are sort of moving in that flow it kind of made me think of uh or it didn't make me think of i kind of thought of uh the abyss i think mm. it's the abyss right with the uh, the water thing that reaches through and makes contact with them that turns out to be an alien. Maybe that's not the abyss. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong movie, the wrong name for the movie. Um, so I thought of I, that's the kind of thing I was imagining, except instead of it, like I said, being water, it was these other components. But, you know, yeah. a, like at a thickness level that it's uh, like a thickness level of lava. You know, it's it's a it's a, a solid mass type thing rather than a, a fluid liquid. But it really behaves like a liquid is how I saw it in my head. And I noticed that Alex read a description of it 
And there was these abandoned armories are trying to return the weapons to their former owners or find new owners worthy of the weapons they have. How would they determine how they're worthy? Well, I took a peek at the description and it turns out that what they pick up is weapons with some psychic residue on them. Mm -hmm. And this psychic residue is what sort of coalesces, the psychic residue from all the, the weapons sort of coalesces into this drive to return them to their owners or to find new owners that are worthy. The problem that happens is and why these things are dangerous and not just sort of like weird guys on the beach with the, the metal detectors and then handing you stuff going, oh, this is yours, ding, or... Mm-hmm. You know, this aura belongs, seems like it fits with yours, is the psychic energy they have, it doesn't allow them to determine that anyone is actually worthy. So they, they do it and they go, are you worthy? And then they go, no, you're not. I've got to kill you. So that's kind of how that works. And uh, oh, so they, they never can find someone worthy. You know, they never, they never have an encounter because the, all they've got is this psychic residue and it's not enough apparently for them to, you know, resolve it the way they think they want to resolve it because they're a, a construct. And uh, the back-mounted ballista, that was horrible. Oh, yeah. The back, the f- apparently four back-mounted ballistas. Is well, yeah. They said four because he's like, I don't see it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I totally see this thing a la the first Transformers movie where, you know, the robot, <laughs> part of the robot opens up and the weapon pops out or the you can see the ammo loading or something like that. But it pops on the back of this thing and the ballista bolts kind of, you know, are lifted up and exposed and then shunk, 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 shunk into the ballista, which is all, ba-dung, 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 you know, that's how yeah. I saw it. Yeah. Good Lord. Because, oh, yeah. To me, that just fit with that whole mode and just made it even scarier because now it's it's very, uh, very robotic, very animated. And then, you know, at the end when they beat it and it just totally like collapses into this, you know, whoosh pile of stuff. um, It just to me, it made it, you know, made it better because it's like, what is going on? I don't think Alex used a lot of the things that it could do. I suspect not. But they, you know, they had a little bit of time to prep and then they hit it hard. So. Right. It's still got its... But I mean, I, I can't... Like I said, we can't see their map, so I don't really know what their battlefield looked like. But this thing has an energy cone that deals 14d6 of damage. Holy crap! <laughs> Why the hell was he firing that stupid-ass ballista when he had an energy cone? I, I had an energy cone the shit out of somebody. Yeah. It's also got a I mean, even if it day's... was just one, it'd be like, oh well. Bang! I mean, it's also got a once-per-day reflect spell as an immediate action, so I don't know... I don't remember him reflecting any spells back because it got hit with a few. Oh, yeah. Good dig. Yeah, because it can turn spells up to seven spell levels. Look at you, Toast, teaching a master class in how to GM <laughs> and bringing the hammer down on Alex. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just looking at the... You! You're just, just taking him to task. You're <laughs> substandard, Alex. I'm just looking at the, the, Shape up, the stat block. He could be using a different stat block, but the numbers seem to match up. So I'm assuming he was using this one. So I'm just uh, it's pro- wondering I'm sure it's why he let it get block. hit by a spell, first of all. I think it would reflect probably the first one it gets hit with for the day, I would imagine. It has no intelligence, That's so that's what I would do with it. Ooh, you straighten him out, girl. You just let <laughs> him have it. Straighten him out. Yeah. Like I said, it the perimeter defense, once per minute as a standard action, an abandoned armory can fire a barrage of energy in a 60-foot cone. Oh, a barrage of energy. That's awesome. <laughs> the barrage deals 14 D6 points of damage, half of which is fire damage and half is electricity. DC 20 Woof. reflex halves. Yeah. 
But I mean, that's a, I mean, even if you're only getting like one or two of your, the PCs, that's, that's a big chunk of damage, even if they take half. Uh, yeah unless they have evasion yeah. i guess which they would take nothing but still yeah it's it there's there's a lot in there that didn't happen i i picked up on the ebb tide and then i'm gonna go to the riptide for right, he did, you know he did stances or whatever because it, in my head when i heard that i was for whatever reason i was thinking power rangers <laughs> like, uh, like uh, uh, and then it and you know that and sort of Voltron and and then even I went back further because you know I'm older to uh, Johnny Sacco and his flying robot and uh, I'm I'm gonna have to look that one up I don't know that one <laughs> oh you're in for a treat there's there's a whole bunch of those it, it's basically in the category of you know the guy in the Godzilla suit it's it's in that category of movie but it's not I mean that's um, what the original Power Rangers Godzilla. was it was people in rubber suits. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That well, the is, monsters this were. Is, well, the mon- <laughs> right, the monsters were, and and well, so was the, I think the 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 megazoids or whatever they, the zoids or whatever they were called. But yeah. you got to understand the power that Power Rangers thing. That was by far not the first. You've got Ultraman and all sorts of other shows right. that came over from Japan long before Power Rangers, decades before. I do know Ultraman. I've seen that one. Set the tone. With his yeah. alpha beta capsule or whatever it is that he has to click to turn giant. Uh, yeah, that one I don't remember. Mm. I remember there was a Godzilla one they brought over where Godzilla teamed up with Ultraman and Ultraman's actually a robot. It's not a... <laughs> person interesting um, and ultraman programs himself to grow huge because that's the only way he can fight the monsters godzilla's fighting and that's the only way to keep people safe because that's his main primary programming is to you know keep people safe yeah i you know but again yeah. back in that era they had a whole bunch of that stuff that was out there and you know when i was a kid one of the ones i watched was johnny Sacco and his flying robot neat um but yeah so i'm just like I said, I was just looking over the stat block because I was curious what uh, what this thing looks like. There's no like official art that I can find from Paizo, so it's just kind of whatever you want it to be in your head. <laughs> yeah, with with yeah, a, it's with a treasure chest for a mouth, <laughs> with a <treasure laughs> which I chest. thought was pretty neat. I did like the treasure chest dropping out or rolling, you know, rolling down the wave and then you know, katunk katunk right side up. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. It was also very video gamey, very oh, yeah. like uh, Diablo reminded me of that. <laughs> You know, where you kill the things and the bodies sort of disappear and boom, there's the loot. Yep. Or the, you know, that kind of thing. Very video gamey, very video gamey. But I liked it. I liked it. Sp- speaking of loot, they got uh, they got quite a bit of stuff. <laughs> yes, it was it was quite the haul. Mm-hmm. And the the oil of grease. Yeah. <laughs> and I love redundant. Joe. We're getting all greasy up in here. <laughs> all I have to say, Joe, is I'll get greasy with you. Do you remember, did any of that treasure stand out to you? Because like... Uh, the the planar short bow plus one, I yeah. thought was really nice. That was a... And nice for a couple reasons. One, I, I have never, in all the loot that I've seen in the APs so far, in the ones that I've played and stuff like that, I've not seen planar before. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's a nice touch on a short bow. So if you have an archer, it's kind of cool. But it's not the everybody's kind of overpowering thing, which is, well, take the longbow. It has better range. You know, you don't use the short bow, you use the longbow. So right. that was kind of nice that it was doing that. Um, I'm just waiting for them to, I mean, they keep getting treasure and coins and, and they just, they have nothing to do with it. If they can't immediately put it to use, it like just sits on their sheet. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm this, assuming at some is, point they'll get back to a town, but yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, it's I, I know Vigil didn't last very long, and they were able to save a few things and buy a few things, and that was kind of cool. But well, I'm, I am like hoping, a whole book. Yeah, I am. Well, well half, but I mean, it was half a book, 
Right. But it was, I don't know that how many, I don't remember how many days it was. It was, didn't seem like it was very long, maybe a week. And they didn't have a lot of loot at that point. True. By comparison. So it was, and and I, Vigil, I don't think is very big in terms of the Pathfinder's classifications for cities, right? Is it not? I would have thought it was a... I didn't think it was all that big because like... Metropolis. I don't think so. I don't think it was that big. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a small city. Yeah, so that, that actually doesn't have a whole ton of access to magic items like you'd think. No, it really doesn't. I, wow. um, Absalom. I mean, you would think with the castle and, and you know, it's... Well, look at the size of a metropolis. I mean, look at the population attributed to a metropolis. Right. I mean, I want to say that, like, ancient Rome had two million people. And oh, admittedly, yeah, yeah. they were receiving daily grain shipments from Egypt and stuff like that in order to make it work. And they could, their plumbing was basically, they were at capacity. They couldn't cram any more bodies in there because they couldn't get any more water in. You know, they were at, they were at the max for what they could do for their technology level. But that's two million bodies. That's a lot of people. And yeah. if you look at Pathfinder stuff, I mean... A lot of the towns around here, not counting Sacramento, I think are, you know, much bigger than than what they, you know, list most of their big cities at, you know, their important cities as. Um, yeah. And then, you know, because I think, uh, yeah. like a, what's <laughs> a the size of a metropolis? More than 25,000. That's it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, and, yeah, so and you know. There's I, you know, small city, it's, you know, five to 10,000 people. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a town. Yeah. You know, 5,000 people is a town. So well, yeah, now it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying 5,000 people's a town. And then, you know, but we know, I know what that size is. And I'm like, yeah, that's a reasonable size, but it's, that's not, you know, having the kind of services that they say that a small city would have, they don't really have right. know, a town that size doesn't really have. So, um, yeah. So it's, I, that part is not, to me is never really matched up to what the numbers should say in my opinion, but yeah. you know, it's Pathfinder. They've done what they've gone and doing whatever, but it, it also, to me, especially with the sale of magic items and purchasing of magic items, it makes a difference because if you're basically not in a metropolis, you know, it's hard. It can be very hard to move that stuff sometimes because of your um, purchase they, limit of the yeah, town. They just, and they don't have the money. <laughs> yeah. They don't have the capacity to soak it up. It's like, yeah, hey, let me make you uh, completely insolvent. <laughs> you right. have no coin, but you have magic items. <laughs> yeah, you've got this. You've got this trade good that's got it all. You know, yeah, no, it's it, economically, it just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Um, but yeah, so hopefully they'll get a chance to do a little bit of that because not everything has been you know the sweetest drops. Although you know Randolph picking up that uh, that scythe two episodes ago. I think so. Was that two, maybe three now? But that, you know, that's a pretty sweet one. And they've had, uh, I'm trying to think what else. There were some other neat ones that have come in, but it's not coming to me immediately. So yeah, the the bow stood out to me and the, uh, you know, I liked it because it was unusual. And an unusual, uh, what do you call those, weapon enchant or whatever it is. Right. Um, So, and I liked, I liked when we finally, you know, got down to some campfire talk between uh, Uhtred and Teoblith. You know, looking for Razni and Gustari is gone. Did they stop at the campfire? Because I thought they stopped. No, no, they had they the had campfire. the no. They uh, they were talking about something. I put it down as campfire talk. I think they were set. They were thinking about figuring finding a place to settle in for the night. Um, right. They were talking about the Grave Knights tracking Razni mm-hmm. via the lungs. Right. And uh, I 
was making the point of calling back to Arginus talking to Uhtred about the lungs. <laughs> you know, we're not sure they're Rasnes. Well, now the hell you are, you know, and let's see what that means. And I said, if Arginus remembers his lover. <laughs> and I said what I said. <laughs> and I think shortly after hearing that and then, you know, having those thoughts, I think that's when we got the uh, the Fursifer. Yeah. the And the, the Swedish, you know, Swedish chef, chef talk started. <laughs> I I maybe I just didn't understand what was going on. There it's a it's a it's some kind there? of reptilian creature. Okay. With I some was, magical I was stuff. A little... It's an actual it's an actual monster. Uh let me let me go find I don't it know, in the just index for real quick. for some reason at the end of the episode it for it seemed for suffer. It either seemed really rushed or maybe I wasn't paying complete attention, but like I wasn't doing anything else at the time, so uh I didn't you quite understand to... what oh, had happened I at the see. end. All right, because like so, it went from it went from them getting the the treasure. Holy crap! It's described as a, a titanic, multicolored reptile. Good God! What's what's its what size? What it is what huge. Size is huge. It no. is a huge magical beast. And of course, we he- you heard some of the uh, uh, euphoria and confusion. No, no, no. Utopia. Yeah, because I, I got I got real confused because they started oh. doing the treasure stuff, and then they started talking about campfires on the wall, and then they started doing like a ten minute ritual, and then they started rolling fort saves with. Yes, the fort saves had to do with the some sort of iridescent. Yeah, the sap, sap. makes tracking them really easily. Yeah, and and then the the diseases that were ticking. they already had they apparently yeah. already had in in all those cases. Yeah, uh, it just, yeah, I don't know. It all then, seemed j- real jumbled together. Like, I, I wasn't quite sure what was going on because, like, there was well, the... Well, I think, I think what happened, if if I remember correctly, was they were get, they had done the stuff and then they were looking for the place to settle down and they started talking about that. And then there was a little bit, there was some bookkeeping that needed to happen because Tia Blith was going to do his thing, ritual. whatever that ritual was, which I'm completely blanking on what it was. Yeah. I, I and... Know. Uh, he was going to do that, but then they could get the sap off them and they did the fort saves and they're supposed to be doing the, the stuff and they had detected the, the Fursifer. Right. Cause of the sideways campfire. Yeah. The campfires were set up and it was supposed, it was apparently how the Fursifer thinks it should be set up, which is maybe not how people would set it up. Right. And, um, then of course they were trying to figure out how to get the Fursifer to attack. Because they didn't know where it was and couldn't identify it. Because the mm. it's Utopia special power or spell like ability because uh, SP is the illusion and it, it warps the world around it to seem idyllic and safe. And that was you know the multiple campfires and the warm glow. And yeah. uh, of course, when Alexi says, "Well, I think we shouldn't," you know, we should just act like it's not right, like it is, because that should get it to attack. And then Tibble is like, "Oh, that's a good idea." And Alexi came back. with, <laughs> I'm not just a stupid deer, <laughs> you know, going back to, I think, when they first met. Right. So uh, I was having some good times. A lot of callbacks this episode, I noticed. But that yeah, it was fun. That was the thing. I think uh, Teoblith had an outstanding perception, and that's how he detected the Fursifer. And then I believe he shared that. And they got, so he got roles and uh, Uhtred got roles. And so I think that's how they knew as much as they did, knew they were in the vicinity of it. And thus they were walking into a trap and they were trying to figure out how best to spring the trap, knowing that this is where they wanted to go. Right. 
because I kind of had thought they were settling down to do the campfire thing, but then the fire, the the glow and all that, as they found the right looking place, that's when Alex started talking okay. about this. Other than talking, they, they said every time he says Fursifer, he you know feels all sweet as chef, you know. Defer, defer. You need to take the fork and you smirk and smirk and you chomp and chomp and chomp and yeah, and spoon and spoon and spoon and you know. I like the Swedish chef. What can I say? <laughs> no, he's fun. But I guess yeah, they kind of end the episode there on a cliffhanger because they yeah, don't fight it they don't it's it's not it's not like a it's not a real cliffhanger it's not like the yeah. ones we've had where it was literally we're hanging on the side of a cliff or we're you know, don't know what's happened next we've got the big mysterious we've either revealed or there's something lurking what is it you know we haven't had any it wasn't one of those it was more of a yeah some shit's going down see you next week yeah but again again i have to say i I have been enjoying, absolutely enjoying all of the endings of book four so far. All the episode yep. endings have been one, one either, you know, I, I guess the best way would be to call it one trope after another as far as cliffhangers go. <laughs> and, but it has just been so natural and they're just like, uh, this one this week. Or, you know, this feels like this one. And it's just been, it's just been amazing. I've loved that part of it. Absolutely for sure. Not yeah. that I haven't enjoyed endings prior, or I didn't enjoy endings episodes Skull and Shackles, but book four here has just had, you know, one hit after another as far as ending the episode and making you want to come back, whether it's been high stakes or just plain stupidity. I'm going to step <laughs> off the cliff and go explore. Um, you know, just boom, 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 boom. Uh, it's been fantastic. Yep. All right. And that does it for us this week. You can find us and the players on the Inspired Incompetence Discord. Links can be found at inspiredincompetence.com. I'm Lord Richter. And I'm Lady Toast. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Now I'm going back to the motor oil and the jumper cables. <laughs> you and me, Joe. Rawr. <laughs>